you are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. We need healing for our ears, I think. It was so loud in that room, I had to get out. You know, it's like, it was really good. I agree with Kathy. It was, you know, we, when we had our first VBS meeting, I got with the team, and I said, you know, we need to do something different. And different they did. So it worked out good, right? So we had a, you know, it was different. That's what I'm going to say. Now we found out what the cabezones are. First time they said that they were going to bring the cabezones, I thought they were talking about my family. And I'll be honest, I'm like, <laughs> I'm related to a lot of those, you know. <laughs> All right, praise God. Let's get right into it. Um, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for the word will take us, and we thank you for this series about the Holy Spirit that we've been really pursuing, Lord. And Father, I pray none of me and all of you that words of life will come from this holy desk, Father, and People's eyes will be changed and we'll have information that we can apply into our daily life and not just come to church, but have something that is impactful and meaningful happen this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, welcome our online audience also. For all those that are watching different parts of America and other nations, we've got you know, different people walk, watching the broadcast and watching the rebroadcast, so we're excited about you. Are. You are here. We know you're there. I want to, before I start with the actual teaching, you know, I, I had a... I guess you want to call them these little philosophical moments I have in my life. They're not too deep, you know, but they're deep enough for me. And I want to ask you, I want to start with a question. I want you to kind of let it sink in there, and, and then I'm going to try to answer it during the teaching. But I want you to come up with your answer. And the question is really simple. It's like, what are we doing here this morning? You know, what is all this about? What is, you know, what is church about? Because I was having a conversation, you know, again with my grandson about a lot of these things. And, and I said, you know, church, if you're not careful, it becomes just another thing you do in the week. And, you know, you, you have this idea that if I go to church, I get a little recompense, and it becomes almost like, and it's not that. You know, that's religion. Religion is, I'm going to go to a service, you know, meet my little quota, get my little star on my forehead, you know, and then go out into the world and live like there's no God. And I'm not, sorry, I'm not saying ungodly lifestyle. I'm not just saying as a sinner. I'm just saying you, you manage your life like God wasn't involved. You know, you're not actually sinning, you're not out there doing being stupid, you know, you're just, you kind of figured out that already. But you, you know, you come to church, you get a word, and then you, as soon as you get in your car, you immediately take all the responsibility of running your life. And most of us have learned that we do a pretty bad job of running our lives. Amen? Now, some of you might have it all together, but I don't. And um, I know that the reason things work in my life, it's because of God. And, you know, I resolved that many years ago. So you got to really think to yourself, what are we doing here this morning? Why, why, why am I here? Because if you're just here and nothing comes of it, you know, I'm glad you're here. Praise God. It's good to see you guys, you know. But, you know, as soon as you walk out of the building, this stays here. Because here's what I want you to understand. We are here because we believe, you know, most of you, hopefully all of you. And if you're not, 
don't believe that, well, then my job is to help you believe that there's something else out there. You know, that this is not just it. And we're here. We take two hours of our time on Sunday. Maybe if you come to midweek service, you know, take another hour off. And then if you serve in church, then you take a lot of hours, you know, praise and worship teams and all the teams. But at the end of the day, you know, we have a fundamental belief that there's something else out there. And the something else out there we recognize as God, as Jehovah. And we also recognize that we believe that that something else out there created the universe. And he breathes galaxies. And then we leave the building like that really doesn't matter. Think about it. And we face challenges. We face life challenges. We face decisions. We face, you know, in our marriages, in our relationships, in raising kids, handling money, so forth and so on, navigating through a pandemic and all these kind of crazy stuff that the world throws at us. And this is where I'm going with this. The spirit of the one that created everything resides in you. And this is really what this whole teaching has been about all these weeks. And now we're getting, you know, we're getting close to the end. I mean, I was... My goal is to try to finish today, but at the same time, I don't want to rush this because if there's one fundamental truth you need to know, you know, I remember Kathy asked me last week, she said, how many weeks are we going to do the Holy Spirit? I said, we should be done by Christmas <laughs> because it just grows. You know, this is the one thing you need to really grab onto because Jesus said, I leave my spirit with you and he will show you all things and he will lead you to all truth and he's your counselor, your comforter. He's your healer. I mean, you think he would... That's the one that we need in this crazy world. So we need to spend enough time on this where you you have a, what I always say, a working understanding. Working understanding means it has to be something that you can leave the building and understand that you operate in something that is beyond the natural realm. Are you still here? Because, you know, when we, once we come in here, everything about this meeting, we're talking about some really supernatural things. And I know I said this last week, but I want to build on this one statement because I want you to, you know, get your clampers on this thing and, and think about it. You know, we believe in a God that came to this earth and was conceived supernaturally. Amen. And I, you know, kind of joke off that little story of the years and years ago. And don't worry, she's not in the building. So I walked into my office and had a little teenage daughter with her. She said, Pastor, Pastor, my daughter's pregnant. And then she said, I don't know how that happened. I said, I'm, I think I know how it happened. And I think your daughter knows how it happened. <laughs> and I wasn't the Holy Ghost. He did that once. He's not doing that again. I, just, I know that's very sarcastic, but that's my point. You know, we, we believe in supernatural conception. Then we not only that, we believe that this man walked this earth and did some amazing miracles and not, not only died a brutal, horrific death where his body was torn to pieces, but that body was completely resurrected back to life. So those are pretty supernatural events. And your whole faith is based on that. If you can't believe that, there's no point in even calling yourself a Christian. Because you've got to believe in the virgin birth, and you've got to believe in the resurrection of Christ. (laughs) Alright? So that's pretty supernatural. And so once our whole foundation of faith is based on some very supernatural events. And, and again, remember the word supernatural doesn't mean ghosts and goblins and mysticism. It, se- it simply means there's a natural realm and then there's a super realm. That's all it means. Because some people get, you know, you, you, you talk a lot about the Holy Ghost. You get around some circles and they get really mystical and really weird and stuff. That's not what it is. You know, the Holy Ghost is not a weird thing. The Holy Ghost should be something very normal to you, very common to you. 
you know, very, have a working understanding. Because where I'm going with this, I'm trying to set up where we're going with this. We're going to talk about, you know, we're starting to get into really into the meat of what the spiritual gifts are. But it took me, you know, three weeks just to get you here because there's no point in talking about the gifts unless you know the Holy Spirit as a person. And, the, and the, you know, we talked about last week that, you know, you can be all Holy Spirit, but you don't walk in love. It ain't going to work. You know, Paul addressed that. He explained how the gifts work, you know, he, and, and we're going to back up this morning to what he said. You know, we, we picked it up in chapter, th- well, we finished in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians last week. But you see all these things, you know, these are kind of things that I think about. I'm like, what's the point? Why do we do this? Why do I do this? Why do I, you know, you know, because sometimes sheep can become goats. And sometimes goats can become wolves. You know, and I don't need this. But there's something that drives me to continue to do it because I have tasted and I have seen God's goodness on so many levels and I have experienced the supernatural so many levels. We experienced it. I'm not going to, you know, freedom to share the whole testimony, but we experienced it at the end of VBS. Little tiny things that aren't supposed to happen. But that's that God factor, right? That's called super over your natural. And my goal is to try to get you to understand that that realm is out there for you. And you don't have to shut the religion, you know, you don't have to shut the church down, shut religion down, please, religion is toxic. But you don't have to say, okay, I'm going to get in my car and try to figure out my marriage and try to figure out my finances and try to figure out, you know, what the doctor told me and try to figure out, you know, what's going on in the world and try to figure out all these different dynamics that are going on. You don't have to do that because the Holy Spirit did not just stay in church. He is with you, but your faith has to be in a place where you believe that you live a supernatural existence. You know, we've had one confirmed testimony and another one that's pretty confirmed. But we had somebody healed in our you know, church in Laredo of cancer with medical numbers. You know, a month to the date when the doctor said you have cancer, 30 days later, the same doctor had to say you're cancer free. See, that's what I'm talking about, supernatural events. And the world doesn't have that. You know, the world has to figure it out. And yes, some people get healed by radiation. Some people get healed. I'm not, you know, thank God for medical science and everything that medical science brings, and I, I also believe that God gave man medical science, amen, and just trying to help people. But, you know, those are things that aren't supposed to happen. You know, you believe God for something years ago, and, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, 20 years later it appears, and, and it, nothing really, you know, just things show up in your life, and really, you know, my wife and I have lived, you know, especially the last few years in an area of harvest, and yes, we've had challenges, and yes, we've gone through things, but I'll tell you one thing, God it doesn't lie. I want to, you know, and I, uh, we, last time we were in prayer, we didn't have prayer last week, of course, because we were here, I mean, VBS, but we're still not in the teaching, but I just want to pull this out of, of Psalm 103 that I read it two weeks ago. And if I just pick up in, in verse 2, I want to read here. You don't, it's not on the screen, so you can look it up, but it's a passion translation. Every, you know, you're going to see all these supernatural events in this, in this song. It's a song. The psalm is a song. But I want you to see what David was experiencing. You know, and this is Old Testament. This is before he could be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, Yahweh, you are my soul celebration. How could I forget the miracle? So right there is supernatural, miracle, supernatural, of kindness you've done for me. You kiss my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You rescued me from hell and saved my life. You crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like flying eagle in the sky. So how many supernatural events have you seen right there? Healing, kindness, forgiveness, restoration, 
the fact that God will get involved in giving you the desires of your heart, as long as those desires aren't, you know, to hurt somebody. Amen. But listen to this. This is the one that I want you to grab onto, because this is really what I believe, you know, how can I put it? I, I believe this with everything in my life. I mean, with every core of my being, I believe this next scripture. It says, you're the God who makes things right. Simple. That's it. You're the God that makes things right. And we live in a world that has a lot of wrongs. And there could be a lot of wrongs in your family. And there could be a lot of wrongs in your situation. There could be a lot of wrongs in the way you're living your life right now. But God's not here to judge and condemn you. He's here to make it right. Are you still here? That's a supernatural event. You know, if it wasn't for the supernatural power of God, you know, a lot of us shouldn't even be here this morning. I was telling you, I had this moment because, you know, um, I have some issues with my feet, you know, with, um, what is it called, the Achilles tendon, and it just kind of flares up when it decides to, and, and sometimes you're just sore, and my back's sore, and, you know, you're 55, and, and Caden says, <laughs> in other words, says, how come you're so beat up? I said, well, here, let me tell you about how I'm so beat up. So when I was 17, I went in through a concrete pose where I put the engine block inside the car and walked out of it, all right? A few years later, I had a 5-8-inch rod go through my foot from side to side, among other things, among falling off of horses and a lot of events. So I have a lot of reasons to be dead. But I'm not dead. I'm still alive. You know, some, a few things hurt here and there. But, you know, if it wasn't for a praying mom and a praying wife, I would be dead. Amen. I know some of you guys have like a perfect life. My life was pretty wild. And, I could, you know, story, and that's, just a, that's just the tip of the iceberg of stories and stories and stories and stories and stories where there's no... You know, just on the law of average, I shouldn't be here this morning. If nothing else, just so, if you don't know what the law of average is, don't worry about it. But, you know, that just the law of average says you should be not in health today. That's because of supernatural events. And, you know, he is the God that makes things right. And you need to settle that this morning because I'm telling you, I'm under this little bit of prophetic anointing on it. But some of you keep struggling and you're struggling and you're struggling and you love Jesus. But let me tell you, Jesus is more than a ticket out of hell. And we'll get to the preaching in a moment. I'm already preaching. I just go with where I'm going right now. He is the God that makes things right. But he needs you to participate in that. He needs you to be involved in the process of making things right. Because it still takes faith. It's not about being holy, holy, but it does take about, you know, when you, you know my little pet phrase that most of you heard, I've seen one point in your life, is we're not about, well, this is not about being perfect, but it's about being pointed. You know, pointed at him. Because perfection, who's going to achieve it? Jesus only, right? So once you understand this, you know, the, the one part of the Trinity... The Holy Spirit is the one that was assigned to you to make your life supernatural. And you would think more people would be excited about it, like you. Because you people come to church, they'll sit here for two hours and think about all their problems, and their answer came and went 15 times during a service, and they never, they were zoned out. Because I've got to go to church, I've got to meet my little Sunday requirement. No, it's not like that. Living a super, I'm used to living a supernatural lifestyle. Actually, I'm on the other side of, you know, it would be really weird if we didn't have supernatural events. You know, my grandson broke his, I don't know, he keeps breaking, you know, breaking bones around. Well, I mean, if you hang around with me, you end up with a few broken bones usually, but that's just how it is. But, you know, 
Doctors say you got a serious situation on your foot. Three days later, they can't find the break. Don't tell me this stuff doesn't work. Amen. 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 But see, people still want to live their life like, you know, the, the, you know, the baby has a fever. And the first thing you, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the first thing you should be doing is praying for that kid. You know, every, every little bad news you get, you go into full panic mode. Amen. I know some of you are like, I wish you'd just get with the message, you know. Because, you know, I don't want to be here till after 12. What if the Holy Spirit moves at 12.01? Hmm? See, you're talking about the creator of the universe, and you're concerned to make sure I finish at 12. Yeah. That's not about how long the service God can move in five seconds. My point is, you've got to be careful not to lock this whole church experience into some little other thing like your vacation, or going to the movies, or going to the mall, or doing whatever you do. Because if all your church experience is that, you could just stay home, I guess. I mean, it's not, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. And God doesn't have more favor on you because you come to church or you don't come to church. Church is something we invented. You know that, right? Church wasn't really this. All you see right now, you know. I had a conversation with one of our leaders in Laredo the other day, and they were talking about, you know, the set, because a lot of people are on vacation, they move and they come, and, and that's normal, that's summer, I get it. But there was, you know, a possibility that we wouldn't have praise and worship. I said, what part of the Bible does it say that Jesus had praise and worship? Interesting. What part of the book of Acts does it say, and the apostles sang three songs before the Holy Spirit moved? They sang songs. But, you know, we created a format, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with the format. I love it. I want the music. I want everything. That's how we do things. But if you're not careful, you know, this, this format is something we invented. In the Bible, they just gathered together and miracles would happen. And crazy, amazing things that we still talk about, about demons coming out and people being raised. From, I'm talking the book of Acts. Now. I'm not talking the life and ministry of Jesus. Book of Acts. One day, 3,000 people decide to give their life to God. That's a miracle. See, that's our expectation should be their church. That's our expectation. It's not about being fanatical. It's about if I'm going to be a Christian, I might as well go all the way in. Amen. I can't, you know, I know some of you like the shallow, but the shallow is where the little kids swim. You ever wonder why the kiddie pool's warmer than all the other pools? Anyway. And if you see an adult in the kiddie pool, you know why he's there. All right, I, I know I'm messing with y'all. But that's kind of how we, you know, that's kind of how we look at all, you know, just go to church, you know. No, you got to go in deep with God. You got to go to a place where this thing is so real that you eat it, you breathe it. You don't, you know, you don't get on the highway without speaking life over your vehicle. You don't do nothing. And you understand these little dynamics and now the tithe and the offering, all these little things that bother you guys all that much. Uh-huh. Those things are part of that. I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm just saying, I mean, I'm, I want you guys to, to run and see something that is so amazing, but it has to be a desire for the move of God. There has to be a hunger on your part, and you ha- you're going to have to break out of that little church mentality, you know, to come and meet the requirement, you know, checklist thing on Sunday, and then try to manage your whole life like there's no God. You know, that's not, and I'm not, again, I'm making this point. This is not about being a sinner and being stupid. I'm talking most Christians, you know, they're not out there. They already got it. You know, they already been there, done that. Now they're trying to live their life clean, but they still struggle because they still try to manage every detail of their life. And let me help you, for the most part, it's not working. 
Amen. Because if it was working, you wouldn't need a God. God is that one little factor. And I want you to take that. If you don't get anything else out of this message, He is the God that makes everything right. And right now, there might be a lot of wrongs in your life. And there might be a lot of upside downs in your life. But He's still the God that makes everything right. And if you can settle down in that, and it might, you know, I know we're used to the fast food mentality and everything has to be super fast, super quick, super now. God sometimes takes His time, but sometimes it's not that He takes His time. He's got to unravel a lot of messes and He's got to adjust a lot of people. For things to move in your life. And that's why we have to have patience. And that's why we develop the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. So forth and so on. So I want to encourage you this morning. Don't take anything out of context. What I'm saying say, make that analysis. That very personalized. Why are, you know, just ask yourself inside. Why am I here this morning? Why am I going to be here next Sunday and next Sunday and next Sunday? Hopefully, you know, is there something else? Or is it just I got so used to going to church on Sunday that I don't know what else to do on Sunday morning? No, we are here to get information, to go out there and figure that mess out. Because I don't know if you've watched the news lately, but the world's not getting any better. But you know, one of the beautiful things about doing this almost for 30 years is that crises have come and crises have gone, right, H? And some of you don't remember the 2008 financial crisis, and some of you were very young and, you know, 9-11, and, you know, we went through all these things. You know what, the one thing that has not changed, our life? The world, goes, the world is up, down, up, down, and Christians, we just kind of, we kind of just glide through it. There can be a financial crisis in that world, and God decides to put you in a debt-free home in the same year. Amen. See, we are not of this world. We're not part of that system, but the one that's going to help and guide you and teach you and show you all things is the Holy Spirit, because that's his job. Amen. All right, let's go, let's go into it, because we're going to, like I said, we'll probably be done next week. You don't want to miss this. And if you've missed some of these, they're all archived. They're all on Facebook Live. I want you to, let's go ahead and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to be reading out of the King James Bible this morning, and we'll see how far we can go with this. I'm not going to rush it, but I just want to encourage you on that this morning. The Holy Spirit, He will show you all things. And once we break this down, you're going to see how these gifts move and why it is vital for you to have these gifts operating in your life. So, 1 Corinthians 12, and I, I, like I so just reading out of the King James Bible, because I want to pull a couple things out of it. So, let's just begin in verse 1. It says, it's up, it's up there for your convenience, but if you have a, your Bible, look at it. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, if you're reading King James Bible, and it, I did do that when I copied and pasted it. It didn't bring everything, but I did that on purpose. The word gifts in the King James Bible is italicized. That means, for those of you that like Bible, you know, learn about the Bible, when you see it, I'm talking about King James Bible now. There's lots of translations. You know, I like the modern translations, but King James is one of the more classic ones. But the word, every time you find a word italicized, that means that the translators that translated this from the original text, you know, added a word to help the thought. That, does, that means that word wasn't in there. Now, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes, if you're not careful, it changes the whole meaning. So when you read a King James Bible, and you find an italicized <coughs> scripture, it would do you good to read it again without the italics, or italicized word. Just, you know, like I said, sometimes it helps. And this is one of those cases where I think it's important that we take it out, because this is what Paul says. It says, now concerning spiritual brethren, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, 
I want to talk to you about being spiritual. We did a whole series, you know, we just finished a whole series called Spiritual. And it was about developing the, the gifts of this, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, so forth and so on. But here he says, now concerning spiritual, or you could read it this way, now concerning spirituality, I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, Paul is making a big statement. He says, this is one thing I need you guys to get right. Now here's the thing that it's interesting that he's writing this to the church in Corinth, which is considered one of the most charismatic churches of the time, but also one of the most messed up churches. So it's weird how you can say, wow, that, you know, and trust me, I've seen this, you know, you see... Wow, you know, that church is so spiritual, they move with the, the gifts of the Spirit, there's power, there's healing, there's miracles, but then you flip over the coin, and they're all messed up. And they got all kinds of sin and crazy stuff going on, and ripping people off. I mean, that was happening back then. That's not a new thing. So he says, concerning spiritual, I'm asking you, don't be ignorant of this. Now, nobody likes to be called ignorant, and I'm not talking call you ignorant, but he says, don't be in the dark over this. Don't be, in other words, don't, don't, <laughs> eh. tongue twister there I was about to say something that's hard to say but he's saying make sure you're aware of this make sure you're aware of this that's why I'm trying to nail this point down you know we're not here to say well I hope he finishes about the Holy Spirit series so we can talk about something else this is the one thing that you need like you need gas in your car you can have the most beautiful vehicle out there on the lot you know and the most expensive one but unless it has some kind of fuel, I was going to say gas, but now since some vehicles are electric, you're going to have to have some source of energy because it doesn't matter how nice your vehicle is, if you don't have the source of energy, it will not serve you any purpose. And I think, again, that is kind of a loose analogy of what I'm talking about being the church. Yes, we can have the nice church and we can have all the, you know, everything down and the music and everything's tweeted down, everything's fine. But if we don't have the Spirit of God in here, it's really pointless. We need the Spirit for everything. Amen? So Paul begins, you know, so we're going to talk about these gifts. Yes, they are gifts, and the word is not a bad word. It doesn't mean you have to remove it and delete it. It just, to bring the point home, he says, I want you to understand about being spiritual. And then he goes on to explain, you know, certain things that we've all gone through. The word Gentile simply means people without God. So before you ever met Christ, you were a Gentile. Amen? So he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and that no man that can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now we've we talked about that a lot in week two. You know, when you bring Jesus into your heart, you bring the Holy Spirit with you. Now we're, we're talking about the endowment now. We're talking about that extra that he gives if you want it. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. But you cannot be saved without the Holy Ghost. So, so everyone that says Jesus come into my life has the Holy Spirit living in them. Amen? Just remember that. Now, there are two diversities. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Everybody say the same Spirit. Spirit. King James Bible, again, correctly, has Spirit with a capital. So it's talking about the person. Sometimes you'll see S, you know, lowercase s. Could be talking about your Spirit, or could be talking about a Spirit. So, but here it's talking about Jesus. It says, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no man can say Jesus Lord by Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And there are diversities of administrations, but it's the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God, which worketh all in all. In other words, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all doing the same thing. You're never going to have, you know, that's why you go to services, Holy Spirit-packed services, 
And I've been to those where, where things are done right, where you have, you know, this charismatic conventions, and a lot of people, you know, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but nobody interrupts the preacher, because the Holy Spirit doesn't interrupt himself. I've been other services where, you know, you'd be preaching, or somebody would be preaching, somebody would go off and say, I got a word, or they prophesy, or they speak in tongues. They're out of order. Thank you for your excitement on that. They're out of order because the Spirit, it's the same Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't trip over himself. Just remember that. So somebody's off, either the pastor or the other one. But the manifestations of the Spirit are given to every man for what? Y'all need to read with me because these are key words. To profit. To profit. Profit means to increase. That means to have extra, more than you invested. If you start a business, the goal of your business is to make what? Profit, right? To be bigger. You know, you're not going to start a business just to say the same. You know, one guy asked his business and says, you know, he, he told him about his business. He says, well, this is a nonprofit, but we didn't start that way. You'll get it later. No, we're here to profit. Now, we're not here to make money, but we're here to grow. See, you just got it. It took a while. Lord is the only one that's tracking with me. Yeah, some of you started that kind of business. It didn't start out as a nonprofit. It just ended up there. But um, profit is that God says, I want to cause something to increase you in your life. So once you settle down with these terms that I'm saying, why are we here? Why is the Holy Spirit with us? Now you got these little things that the Spirit has given to everybody in this room, everyone. And it has a purpose to make you increase, to give you inside knowledge, to give you revelation and insight, to give you key things that make you superior, not in some kind of supremacy, like to control people, but you have the info. You know, why do people go to university? Why do people go to college? Because they're in hoping that by extending their education, they'll have a degree that will cause what? Better chances in life. That's the same thing we're talking about here. The Spirit is here to give you that, that extra, that endowment, so you have more of a place to profit. I'm telling you, you bring the Holy Spirit to every area of your life, including your business, it profits. Amen? And he goes on to say, and then he breaks them down. Let me just read them out of my Bible, because I've got Bible and it says, He's going to break down the, what we call the nine gifts. And by the way, there's way more than nine gifts. He's just dealing with, with, with three categories. That's what we're going to deal with this morning. Three categories of gifts. Because you know, I already told you, in my studies, I found one place I came up with 25. In another place, I came up with 32 different things, endowments that the Holy Spirit gives. So he's not, it's not just nine gifts. But I do kind of like the parallel that he talks about these nine specific gifts. But there's also nine aspects to the fruit of the Spirit. So I think that's kind of cool. You know, that is, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that point. But there are little things that God does in the Bible. And there's a reason for it. So he breaks them down and he just goes... Word of wisdom to another's word of knowledge, to, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh the one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, here's like, you know, I've been around Pentecostalism a long time. But I did grow up Baptist where we were not a whole lot about charismatic stuff. But you do find something, you know, that, that every one of these gifts, some people say, well, you know, the Lord gives me this one gift. No, the Holy Spirit is one spirit. Amen? So you could say, you know, obviously we have ten fingers. We don't have nine fingers. But you could say, I'm in control of all my ten digits, right? You know, it would be weird if you just hugged your wife with two fingers. 
We shook hands like this. No, you know, you use your fingers, hopefully, not when you're driving, and that specific finger that you use a lot in Laredo. You have a lot of fingers, and they can be used for various things, to hold tools, so forth and so on. My point is, the gifts of the Spirit are like that. It's not like, well, you get one, and you get the other one, and you get the other one, and you get the other one, and that way we all have nine. No, the Holy Spirit will move them as He needs them. And you can operate in all of them, or you can operate in none of them. And just because he, he used you today in healing somebody, that doesn't mean you got a healing ministry. Nothing wrong with healing, but guess what? Everyone here has hands, and the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they recover. Every one of you can lay hands on somebody and watch them get healed. Amen? I just think about all the money I've saved since I believe in prayer. <laughs> you know? Because we don't go anywhere... Doctor is a last resort for us, you know. We pray things and it works. We'll get to it if we need to. So the Holy Spirit, everyone can, anybody can operate in any of these at any given time. Because of what the Holy Spirit is, it's an endowment to help you navigate. Because, you know, we talked about 1 Corinthians 13 last week and it says, all these things will pass when perfect comes. Well, perfect is Jesus. Because in heaven you don't need gifts. In heaven you don't need tongues. In heaven you don't need miracles. In heaven, you don't need prophecy. Amen? All right, let's, let's break these down this morning. Let, let me just see how far we can go. So hopefully I, I got your attention now. And again, we're not going to rush this. You know, my goal was to finish today. But if not, then we'll finish it next week. No, no problem here. I got no problem with that. Okay. So at the end of, of, of Corinthians 12, it says, But covet earnestly the best gifts. And this is what we kind of started with last week. And then we read into chapter 13. It says, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And of course, we understand that the excellent way was the walk of love. You don't walk with love, none of this thing works. But the word best simply means the most useful gift. So, you know, which is the best gift, Pastor Box? Well, the one you need at any given time. Amen. And, and this is where I'm telling you, this is so cool. I don't know how people can navigate without this because this is so important in my life. I mean, again, I, I give it to you. I've been doing this a very long time. Some of you might be newer to this. Don't feel bad about it. But the Holy Spirit has made himself available to you to operate in the gifts. But he wants a couple things. You know, Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, let everything be done in order. You know, he's, he's not going to do anything out of disorder. The Holy Spirit never, never causes disorder. You go to, I've been to some church services like, whoa, Jesus, what happened here? Amen. It was all emotional stuff. Because at the end of the day, like Creflo said once, it doesn't matter if you fall out because the Holy Spirit touched you. You know, we've seen, some of you have seen, we pray for people, people fall out under the power of God. That's, that's okay. But he says, that's not about falling out, it's about how you get up. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, guess what? Something's different in your life. Because we're talking about the creator of the universe, remember? The one that breathes galaxies again? So, one, so, so that Holy Spirit has to have, you know, it's, it's, it's useful and I'm not out there moving like, oh, I want to move in the spirit of prophecy. I want to you know if the Lord moves, uses me in prophecy, he uses me. But I don't, I don't out there, I have a word for you. I have, no, I don't. You know, somebody says, you have a word for me? No, I don't have a word for you. If God gives me a word, I'll give it to you. Amen. But I'll tell you what, over the years, a lot of things that the Lord has told me, and I've told people, it has come to pass. Not because I'm a prophet, I'm not. That's, a, that's one of the office of the ministry. I'm talking about a gift. So we're going to break all these down. Let, let, let's go. Let's go to the next one. So the, the gifts are, are broken down 
into three categories. And, and I'm sorry, I thought I had that slide up there, but maybe I didn't. And I'll just, I'll just read them to you if you're taking notes. So, so the, the nine gifts fall into three divisions. The gifts of revelation, the gifts of inspiration, and the gifts of power. Oh, there they are. So, you know, just so you understand, all these gifts, that the, the nine that are listed here, of course, we've talked about many more that aren't listed in, in this passage, but the, these nine gifts, they're, they're broken into these three arenas. And every one of them is significant. So now, now we can go into them. Let, okay, Archie, we're, we're ready for the other one now. So let's break them down. So the gifts of revelation would be the gift of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. These are gifts that the Holy Spirit, if you have asked to, to, be, you know, to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit in the context of Acts chapter 2, not, again, not the born-again experience, the Holy Spirit's with you already, this is the gifting. This is something, if you want it, he will provide this for you. So the word of wisdom is, you know, is simply a supernatural revelation or insight into the divine will and purposes often given by the Spirit to solve perplexing problems and situations. So the gift of wisdom simply means you've received wisdom that you know you don't have. Got that? In other words, we're not that smart. Amen? You receive wisdom. And it can be as simple, like I told you all that story, I think I told you here about the time I was messing with a tractor and it, it wouldn't start and it wouldn't start and it wouldn't start and it was hot and I was frustrated and I went through everything that I, ha- I know. I removed the fuel filter, cleaned it, put it back on, checked the fuses, checked the battery, you know, did everything, let the air out. And at the end of the day, I finally sat in that cabin. I go like, oh, Holy Spirit, help! After two hours, all full of oil, and I just, Holy Spirit, help. And then I looked at the dash, and there was a little light I hadn't noticed. And those of you who know anything about track, if you don't know about track, don't worry about it. There's something called a PTO, power transfer. And I hadn't completely turned it off. So you release that. You can't turn it on because it's a safety thing so you don't kill somebody. Well, the whole time, I went through this two hours of working on this tractor. I'm talking taking batteries off, taking filters off. And all I had to do was go, click, broom. Not only did I feel, say, thank you, Holy Spirit, I felt like an idiot afterwards, all right? But that's wisdom. But, you know, here's the thing what people understand. Well, why did the Holy Spirit tell you right before you spent two hours? Because I didn't ask. Because, I, my, you know, remember my introduction? That we come to church and we get into our car and act like we just have to figure all this by ourselves? Well, that includes me, so don't feel like I'm being mean at you. That includes all of us. Because that's human nature. We have a tendency to say, if I'm not in control, then nobody else is in control. Well, the Spirit of God gives you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom about situations. He'll give you wisdoms of very practical things. He'll give you wisdom of very profound things. You'll see a situation. You know, when we counsel people, I've learned many, 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 many years ago that, you know, I took all the counseling courses and I get all that. But at the end of the day, all those books mean nothing. I mean, yeah, there's some good information. Don't misunderstand. There's some good stuff. At the end of the day, when you say, Pastor Box, can I talk to you about whatever you're going to talk to me about? I immediately, I don't go into this, a trance. I'm just already connected to the spirit of wisdom. I'm, I say, Lord, I need to know what's up. And stuff will come out of my mouth. I didn't plan that. I didn't read that in a book. I didn't go in, you know. It's just the spirit of wisdom. And God will give us wisdom. Well, then you have the word of knowledge. And, and these are, they, they run together, but they are different. 
So wisdom is just supernatural revelation. The word of knowledge is supernatural revelation of divine knowledge or insight in the divine mind, will, or plan to know things that could not be known of oneself. So, so wisdom is inside information per se, wisdom, how to resolve, wisdom how, in making decisions. That's what I'm tell, I told people our Laredo campus last week. I said, don't you ever, 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 ever sign a contract before you pray about it. Because wisdom will tell you. But knowledge will show you why. So wisdom will, will give you the information, but knowledge will show you the how or, or, or the why. So wisdom and knowledge are gifts that usually work together, not always all the time. Or you can be in a, in a, in a you know, you guys were here, for example, people like Brother Joe McCroskey that move heavily in the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you saw it, and it was great, and it was true. And we've seen some powerful services here. Boy, I'm telling you, you know, where somebody, and I, I, I knew what was going on, but nobody else knew what was going on. You know, we were here with Elson Bennett and other people that move, you know, greatly in this. And, and they would speak something to somebody. And I'm like, wow, that's exactly what's going on. But I didn't tell them. I didn't go, Elson, you know, person so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da-da, no, nothing. So that's knowledge. You know, knowledge tells you supernatural revelation. So, you know, they're, 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 they're not the same thing. But they work together most of the time. Or you're in a service, and that's happened to me. You know, God will show you. You know, there's somebody in this room. I'm not, this is an illustration. I'm not saying that. It's an illustration. But actually, somebody's in this room. You know, you got a pain in your lower back right now on the left side, and it feels like a burning sensation, and God's going to heal that. Well, here's the two things that got to happen. Number one, that person has to be in the room. And number two, healing has to happen. If not, that was just some kind of emotional manipulation or something. Amen. Because I've been in a lot of those services, too. And sometimes it's real, man. I've been in some really tough services where some people called out some people on some really serious things. So those two, you have available to them. Think about all where your life would be, that includes me, if we didn't make any bad decisions. <laughs> It'd be somewhere else. Possibly I wouldn't even be here today, all right? No, I'm just kidding. But um, no, because you know, I made a lot of bad decisions in my life. But the wisdom and knowledge helps you avoid bad decisions. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to you know, nail this point until you get it, will only help you if you ask Him. That's why He let me sweat through two hours on that tractor. I'm like, well, why did you tell me? Why you didn't ask? It's pretty simple. He's a gentleman. Remember I told you, He will never invade you. It's like these people say they fall into a trance and, oh, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. Oh, shut up. That is not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit doesn't possess you like a demon. Amen. Yeah, because you get around charismatic circles, you hear a lot and see a lot of stuff. So, the number three, discerning of spirits. This is a supernatural revelation on insights into the realm of spirits, lowercase s now, to detect their presence and plans. And I'll tell you, that to me is one of the biggest ones that I use all the time. And let me help you before you all get kind of weird on me. It says, the get discerning of spirit, not spirit of suspicion. Did you get around charismatics? They get weird with this one. No, discerning, discerning of spirit means you can tell what's up. I can tell you what's up with this nation. That's not, I mean, that's not a big, deep revelation, but you, you could, I can tell you what's going on spiritually. You know, Satan's got control of this thing, and he wants to push God out so far. And with all this um, politics and all this craziness, and, you know, I'm not going to get on my little soapbox today, I promise. 
but I feel like it. No, discerning of spirits is really important nowadays. People come to church. Most people come to church with good intentions. There's some people that come to church with bad intentions. There's people in your life that, that will come into your life with good intentions. You know, my pastor told me years and years ago, one of those little golden pebbles that my pastor, Pastor Odell, tells, told me years and years ago, and I hung on to it. This was probably back in the 90s. He said, you know, when God's going to bless you or when the devil's going to hurt you, he'll send a person into your life. He said, and it's up to you to discern who sent it. Because Satan will appear as an angel of light. He'll appear to you like, wow, I'm, this person's so amazing. They'll even speak Christianese and everything, you know. Remember, remember the devil, he, he works through deception. Deception is his tool. And you don't know you're deceived, because if you knew you were deceived, then technically you're not deceived. Right? Because I know everyone here in this room is like, oh, I'm not deceived. Yeah, really? If you, if you are, you don't know it. Because if you knew it, you wouldn't. I know it's way too early for all that kind of stuff. But, but the discerning of spirit, I, I, this is the one gift that I really rely on a lot. From hiring people to work for me, to putting people in leadership. And I'll tell you what, when I make mistakes, it's because I didn't spend time with the Holy Spirit regarding this one. Especially when you assign somebody. But somebody walks into your life, and I, 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 I use this analogy a lot, and I, I used it probably a couple times during the series, but I just keep it very simple. It's like a traffic light, you know? Some people, I have an encounter with them, and I feel a, a green light with them. I'll be like, yeah, that's a good person. Some other people, I have an encounter, I get a, a yellow light. It's not a bad thing, it's just, you know, caution. And then you, you run around with some other people. You get anybody, you ever get a red light? Huh? How did you, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, we grew up in a different world, people. I grew up in a world where there were no cell phones. All you had to be careful was for the dinosaurs, because they would eat you, you know. Because <laughs> I know some of you are like, There's a, the world existed? Yeah. I know I'm older than dirt, but yeah. There are no cell phones. You'd leave the house at 3 o'clock when you got home from school, and your parents wouldn't know if you were dead. Till you got home after dark, because that's when the time you were supposed to go home. Anybody remember that? Yep. Just be home after. Just make sure you're not too late after dark. So as soon as the sun goes down, okay, it's time to go. The parents didn't know what in the world was going on with you. I'd ride my bicycle from Cholula to Puebla to go meet my friends, and that's like seven kilometers in Mexico. And I was like eleven. Okay, my parents were a little dysfunctional. I'll give them that. <laughs> but it was a different world. Nowadays, you can't even leave your little kid two minutes. In a Walmart. You remember that story that, that Danny shared? We had a person who used to come to our church. Well, he still comes, you know. He doesn't live in, in Hevermill anymore. But he's still part of Faithway. And he had a little tiny kid many, many years ago in Walmart. And the little kid kind of got, you know, you know how you do shopping. And the kid walks away. When, by the time they realized it, they had already taken that little girl all the way to the bus stop. That was right. Some guy had already got him. And she was waiting for a bus, and that kid was going to get stolen. Seconds. I'm not trying to put fear in you, but that's why we have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will show you these things. I'm telling you people, it's vital that you understand, God never expected you to operate in the natural realm and just try to figure things out. He gives you wisdom, He gives you knowledge, but He also gives you an ability to discern. And I'm telling you, even going to church, you should, you should come into here and discern. 
You know, is this, a, is this a Holy Ghost thing or not? Discern it. Because the devil will pollute your mind about how Pastor Box is this and that. And that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all you have to look is at the fruit. If there's fruit, then, you know, that's up to you to figure out if this is a God thing or not. But discerning the spirits, is, to me, is one of the most practical, almost everyday gifts that I, I don't, I, it's not like I use it. I just know I have it available. I'm serious. And it's not a spirit of suspicion. I made that point because some people pretty soon you're suspicious of everything. Everybody's out to get me. Go, shut up. Come on. That's not what it is. The Spirit guides you and the Spirit protects you. Come on, parents. You do that all the time with your kids. You know, when your kid's getting old enough where they're starting to pick their friends, you go and say, hey, I don't want you to be friends with that person. And usually that's the cue so they become best friends. That's how it usually works. But um, <laughs> let, me, let me save you some time. Don't you ever tell them, I don't want you to marry that person. Because that's like they're getting engaged the next day, you know. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking, as a parent, you pick up on that. Right, Laura? You pick up on stuff like that. That's exactly what the God's doing. He, 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 the, the, your Heavenly Father loves you so much that when you have daily encounters with all kinds of situations, He has the discerning spirit gift on you to say, no, you don't want to go there. You better watch out for that person. That, that person's going to hurt you. Or, you know, that person's okay, just don't, don't bring him into your inner circle. That's a yellow. There's a lot of yellow people in my life. You know, nothing wrong with them, but they're, you know, they're, and, and, and sometimes it's not, it's not don't trust them, it's just simply don't trust them now. You know, sometimes, sometimes people have to grow up, some people have to mature. Come on, I tell you, like church leadership is a very complex thing. People look at ministry like, oh, it's so easy to be in the ministry. You want the keys? I'll give you the keys to all the campuses. I'll take a vacay, long vacation. No, you got a lot of decisions. I finish this campus, I go to another one. And then I'm on the phone with Mexico, and I'm on the phone with Cuba, and I'm planning international ministry. And I have all these conversations during the week, and endless texts, and endless advice. And, and if you don't rely on these gifts, you're going to make a mess out of the whole thing. Amen? All right, next three. So now you come into the gifts of inspiration. I know I'm going through these quickly, but I'm telling you, this is what the Holy Spirit made available to you. It's up to you if you want it or not. Prophecy. Now, I'm going to break this one down before I even go into the definition, because this is the one that's probably the most misused of all of them. Prophecy doesn't make you a prophet. There are five gifts, and this should help you, that are, that are called administration, or in other words, the gifts of running ministry, and you have apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Those are five gifts of ministry. Now, as a person, you can operate within those. You know, I know my, my primary calling as a pastor, but I move within the teaching ministry, and I definitely move within the apostleship ministry because, you know, we're starting churches, traveling to nations, so forth and so on. So it's not just one gift. You're the pastor, that's it. But the, but the prophet that is mentioned there is not somebody who tells you the future. It's somebody that's divinely inspired by God. I'm talking about the five gifts right now, the five pastor, prophet, apostle. And by the way, you know, you have to receive, that's kind of on a side note, I'll help you guys, you know, that's why you have to be able to identify a pastor in your life. I don't care if, I, if I'm your pastor or not, I really don't. But if you choose to be, I will be. But that's your choice, that's not my choice. There's people who sit in church their whole life and never, never accept me as their pastor. And that's fine, I don't, I, don't, I don't need any more headaches, trust me. My point is, once you accept it, then you can draw from that gift. 
And my pastor has been my pastor since 1993, and he's told me things that were uncomfortable, and he told me things that I didn't want to do. But at the end of the day, since I recognize him as, as my man of God, I did what he said, and guess what? It worked amazing. Even though my, my human nature said, that's stupid, he doesn't understand what you're going through, but he gave me advice, I followed it to the T, and I had great results of it, because I chose him, and I told him, when I sat behind his desk, well, in front of his desk in 1993, and said, I need a pastor in my life, I want you, would you pastor me? And he's still my pastor today, I don't change pastors like some people change pastors, since 1993, same man of God in my life. I've had other men approach me and say, hey, you want to come under? I'm like, no, I got my pastor. Nothing wrong with having a lot of mentors. I have a lot of mentors. I have a lot of voices that I recognize in my life that if when I'm going through trouble, I'll call them and get advice and wisdom and direction. I have lots of those. Well, not a lot, but I have enough. But you have to receive that gift, right? Even this morning, you say, you know, pastor's not about controlling people, but it, it is a gift like the apostle and the prophet. This is, that's not what this is. This is an endowment that gives you a prophetic moment. It doesn't make you a prophet. Again, remember the gifts. Who, who chooses how the gifts move? The Holy Spirit. And he'll use me prophetically sometimes, and sometimes he won't. And I'm not over there. You know, if it comes on, it comes on. And like, well, Pastor, how come I never see that in church? You come Wednesday night. If this is that important to you, you'll show up Wednesday night. You'll cancel everything out, because if you had an appointment with the IRS Wednesday night, you'd be there. Well, I'm too busy on Wednesdays. Okay, then don't worry about how do the gifts move because we pray in the Holy Ghost. There's prophetic words that come up Wednesday night. I'll be praying for somebody and the Lord will say, hey, and I'll speak something and it'll be exactly what they needed to hear. Now, that can happen in this service too, but again, I don't, I don't manipulate the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Spirit wants to move this morning, move Holy Ghost. If the Lord gives me a word for somebody, I will deliver it. But I'm not, how do I feel? I don't feel like I have to or try to manipulate something because that is a very dangerous ground. So prophecy is supernatural utterance in the native tongue. It is a miracle of divine utterance, not conceived by human thought or reasoning. It includes speaking unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So those are the three characteristics that a prophecy will have. Okay, what is the application again? So you're praying for somebody, and the Lord will give you a word for that person. And it will come out in the context of something like, say, you know, the Lord told me this. But what's really cool about it is that it's usually something that wasn't revealed to you. Now, let me help you with this, because I've seen it misused way more times than properly used. You get around charismatic circles, everybody's got a word for somebody, but most of it is manipulation. And I'm telling you, you know, when you're doing this for about 30 years, you kind of see a lot of stuff. Amen. And that's why I'm very careful with it. Because the pastor, I know stuff about y'all. Because you share it. It's not like I'm checking your Facebook. I really don't care that much, you know. But if, if Laura comes and tells me, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to apply for a job, for example. And then I say, well, the Lord told me. You're going to get the job. Well, really? He just told me he was looking for a job. Now, there could be that. Just because he told me doesn't mean there can't be a word of prophecy. Don't misunderstand me, but let me tell you what prophecy is. First and foremost, the Lord will talk to you. And then he'll talk to somebody else. You will never get a word of prophecy that you don't know already on your inside. Because the Holy Spirit loves you as much. And usually a word of prophecy is those three categories. It will edify you. It could exhort you. But let's, so what, if you come to a service and you know, I call you and I say, hey, I need to talk to you. And I pull you aside and say, hey, you know, 
Just, I really believe the Lord's telling me, you know, you need to get your stuff together. It's because he's already been telling you for to get your stuff together. Amen. It's not like, really? Why? <laughs> and I've been in some services where I've seen this gift move, which is really intense. Really intense. I've seen people called out on adultery. And both people were sitting on the front row. But you know what? God's been dealing with that long enough. And those people didn't want to get it together. And it wasn't me. It was somebody else. But I was in the service. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Woo, that's a tough one, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't want to mess around with the Holy Ghost in that context. But guess what? The Holy Spirit will never expose you publicly because he's already dealing with it. But he'll love you enough if you don't want to get it right because the reason he's telling you this is to protect you. Again, if you're a parent, you get this completely. You know, if you tell your kid, hey, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. And then the little kid's about to put his hand on that stove. What do you do? Just say, I highly recommend you don't touch the stove. You're like, don't touch the stove. And you grab his. Well, you know, God's not going to shake you that bad. But that's really what it comes to. He says, God, fix it. Get the sin out of your life. Get the sin out of your life. You shouldn't be messing around with that girl. You shouldn't be messing around with that guy. Get it. Fix it. Fix it. He'll, he'll work on you. He might work on it for months. He might even work on it for you for years. But there's a point where he's going to blurt it out. And it could be in a very public setting at that point. Amen. So prophecy is, is going to have to fall in those three categories. And the other one is comfort. You're going through a storm. You, you know, your life is a mess. Nobody knows what you're going through except maybe, you know, your best friend or your husband. Or nobody else knows. Nobody, no, nobody has ever heard about it. And you come to a Holy Ghost service and, you know, the pastor, the preacher, or the prophet, whoever says this, is the Lord told me, stand strong. You're almost there. You're going to get through this storm. And I see these things. And those people that have, I mean, and they start line upon line upon line upon line. You already knew that. The Holy Spirit just came and confirmed it and to, to just, come on, man, you're going to be fine. But you already knew that. You know, if all of a sudden I come up and tell a little age, hey, the Lord told me you're supposed to be a pastor in China. And age is like, China? Never heard of China. I mean, I know where it is, but I don't really. That is not a word from God. Now, if he's obsessed with China and he's thinking about China and he feels a calling to China, all of a sudden somebody comes up and says, yeah, I don't know why this is bothering, but the Lord tells me you're supposed to go to China. Boom, confirmation. He's on. He'd be on the next plane over there. Because that's a huge decision, right? Go to the mission field like that. So there's nothing wrong with going to God and say, God, can you confirm this in my life? I mean, I believe you. I hear you. Can you confirm it? And he'll say, yes, I can confirm it. That's why I have these gifts. And trust me, it doesn't always have to be within a church setting. There's, I mean, the Holy Spirit can move. I could tell you stories, not, not, not my story. I got some, a few of mine, but some really crazy stories. I remember Bear Morgan is in heaven today. He told me some stories that were like... He said, you're going to... Bear told me this one. And Bear, Bear, I mean, if you knew who Bear was, there's no way he'd make, make stuff up. This guy was ex-biker and ex-gang and loved God and got born again. And there was no funny business with Bear at all. He said, the Lord told me, this is a bear story. He says, you need to go to that Circle K and you wait, and there's going to be somebody standing on their hands. I'm like, what? 
And he went there, and somebody on the back of the building was walking on their hands. Now, that is pretty strange, right? That's the kind of stuff the, the Lord will do. I mean, there's like, there's no, nothing left to, to, I mean, if God tells you something that weird and it actually happens, that's pretty, that's, you know, that's what I try to understand people. Maybe, you know, obviously you're not that person here. The people that don't understand God or people that don't believe in God or people that are atheists are like, guys, you guys don't get it. I mean, there is, we live a supernatural lifestyle. We live these, these, little, these little things that happen that weren't supposed to happen. And prophecy is one of those. You know, the, the Lord will give you a word for somebody or somebody will have a word for you. But it's always, remember this one, always. Everybody say always. always. It's always a confirmation. It's never a revelation. It's never like, wow, I didn't know that. And don't get weird. God's not giving you the lotto numbers. He doesn't do that. So you're like, just six numbers, Lord. I'll tithe, I promise. That ain't going to happen now. Prophecy has those three categories. Edify, exhort, and comfort. Nothing else. It's not for manipulation. It's not for trying to, try to get people to do what you want. It's just that. Number, number five and number six, I'm going to kind of join them together. But these, he, he does break them down. The supernatural utterance in other languages that are known to the speaker. Now, let, let me talk. Now, this is like a whole session in itself. And I think Wednesday nights we might just start studying some more of this because, you know, we, we're probably going to bring it into that setting what I do Wednesday night, by the way, I take about 15, 20 minutes and I talk about prayer, talk about something. But when you talk about praying in tongues, when you talk about tongues, first of all, there's three kinds of tongues. And the Bible does not just talk about one. Because I know this is the area where people kind of get weirded out. Like, what is this tongue stuff? You know, well, you know, I can't really explain all the specifics, but I know one thing. In the Bible, you have a supernatural gift, which would be actually the, the number five, the diverse tongues. What happens right in the book of Acts, chapter 2. It says, and they began speaking in other tongues, except those tongues were known languages. They were known languages. In other words, these Galileans were speaking, you know, languages from the Arab nations, languages from the Asian nations, because everybody was gathered in Jerusalem, and they were understanding them in their own language. And I know that would be a great gift. God has never given me that one completely. I mean, I probably, um, there's been times where I, where I was hearing especially dealing with Russian people and, I mean, Ukrainian people, where it was really strange because I could be in a service and I don't understand the language, but I know what they're talking about. And I don't know if that's interpretation, but I guess it's somewhere in there. Because it's a known language and you can't really define it, but you're either speaking it or you're understanding it. The other second kind of tongues is somebody will speak in, in, in a language that you don't know that nobody knows. And somebody else will tell you what that was. And that usually falls under the category of prophecy, so forth and so on. But the one that I think is the most important, like I said, this is one full session on this one. But everyone can receive it whenever you want to. It's called your prayer language. And Paul talks about that one in 1 Corinthians 14. And he says, when I, I pray in tongues more than all y'all, he said. You know? And he was referring to a language, and that's the one I use all the time. That when you're praying, you're praying a language that is not this language. So why is that important? Because the devil doesn't understand it. And guess what? You don't understand it. So you can't mess it up with unbelief. And I'll, I'll teach on those lines because there's a lot of teaching there. And I'm sure some of you are interested in that. But that's also, you know, that's your prayer language. That's a, because, you know, when you come to prayer and you, and, you don't pr- and you don't have the Holy Spirit, your prayer time seems like, like you get up in the morning. How many have done this? I'm going to pray for 15 minutes. And you're like... Oh, Father, and you're praying, and you look at your clock, and it's like 
45 seconds have gone by and you're done praying for everybody. Come on, raise your hand, anybody? You know, it's like, wow, what do I pray now? You know, you're, now you're praying for like the birds and the flowers because you got to get your 15 minutes in. Because I'm serious. I mean, how long does it take you to pray? Lord, bless my family. Bless the church. Bless uh, America. Um, let's see. Bless the guy that's going to cook my meals. Bless, you know, just keep going down the, down the line. You don't really have that much information. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you can sit there for hours. Amen? We had it years and years ago. And it was the Lord told us to do this. He hasn't told me since. And if he tells me, we'll do it again. We did a 40 days of prayer. And it was every day we were in prayer. Like, you know, 30 minutes, one hour. But the last day, the Lord, the Lord gave me all these instructions specifically. He says, I want you to pray for 24 hours. So what we did, we assigned people to come in. So for 24 hours, different people would come in to this building right here, and, and they would pray for an hour. And I had a few time slots in that 24-hour period, you know, because there were people here praying at 4 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning. And I remember I had one time slot that was, you know, from 7 to 8, and I had a couple more in those 24-hour period. And I remember taking my time slot, and I just began to pray, and I began to pray, and I got into the Holy Spirit, and I began to pray, and I began to pray. When I opened my eyes, this is no joke, when I opened my eyes, it was already 9.30. We had been here for almost, almost close to two hours. The other team had come in, and they just sat down, the presence of God. And I hadn't even realized it, because I never even looked at the clock. I mean, it just went, pfft. That's what you're talking about, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then, praying in the Holy Spirit, sometimes you interpret what you pray. And that, like I said, that's... That's like another lesson for another time. Right now I'm just trying to introduce you to all these. So you have the diverse kinds of tongues are the supernatural utterance in other languages that are not known to the speaker. The interpretation of tongues is the supernatural ability to interpret the native language, which is uttered in other languages not known by the one who interprets. So those are the two, but there's also the one that refers to in 1 Corinthians 14 as a prayer language. Okay? Now the last three, it's the gifts of power. Now this is really cool because this is, again... We live in a world that is natural, and you need the super. So he breaks them down into the gifts of faith, gift of healing, and the working of miracles. Now let's talk a little bit about the gift of faith, because the gift of faith is not the faith that you can get by hearing the word. And here's what you have to understand about faith. Without faith, number one, it's impossible to please God. We understand that. But everything that God does, he does it through the avenue of faith. He doesn't do anything on this planet unless somebody can believe for it. You know, I'm talking to the church. He'll do a lot of things, but I'm talking, you know, he works through faith. So there's a faith that you hear about always in this church. Faith comes by hearing. This morning, you've got faith. Some of you say, well, you know, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. You've got faith for the Holy Spirit right now because I'm talking about faith, the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. You know, you're going through a financial crisis, then you need to, or, or just financial, not crisis, just financial anything. Go and find out what the Bible talks about your finances. That's why I tell people, people get bogged down on these very mundane and significant things, when, when the Bible tells you everything you need to know how to raise a family, how to get out of debt, how to have money in the bank, the Bible tells you everything. But, you know, Christians, we, it's like Burger King, you know? You want it your way. So you just, you know, I don't want tomatoes, and I don't want that prosperity thing, and, and I don't mess with my money, but I'll go to church and I'll love Jesus. Okay, love Jesus and stay broke. That's fine, I don't care. But the Bible does talk about that. It's up to you to resolve it. If you're going to be a tither and a giver. You know, if you're going to be a taker or a giver. You know, it's up to you. But faith, everything God does is by faith. So the gift of faith is not that. That's a faith that comes by hearing. You learn things. You, you apply them. You speak them. You confess things. This is a gift that you could be in a situation. I want to, and I want, to, I want to point out this situation because this is something. It hasn't happened to me, but it's happened to people I know. 
And I've had similar situations, but not exactly that one. So you're driving up, and there's a... Well, we had, we had one years and years ago, and I think... I know, I think Vanessa and Kathy, you guys, were you guys in that rollover that happened in Bruni years and years ago? That was you, right? And we had just come upon it. I, I can illustrate it with that. But it was crazy because we, we just had come upon it. It was a horrible accident scene. You know, helicopter was there, ambulance was there, and it was, it was three girls from the church, right? Or, was your sister in that? Okay. And when we came, yeah, that's right, your sister was there. And when we came up to that, we, we had a chance to pray over it because we just, like, we came up on that accident. And I'm like, this is, you know, well, long story short, everyone walked out of that thing. So I, I'm using that to illustrate this. So let's, let's play a little different scenario so you can see how these three would apply in one of those scenarios because this is the gift of faith. The gift of faith is not a faith that comes by hearing. It's a supernatural endowment that God gives you the ability to believe for something that's unbelievable. That you don't really have time to go lock yourself and read the Bible. So you need faith, because if you don't have faith, you can't really operate in the gift of healing. So you come up on a, on a vehicle. Let's not, let's not use, I remember that scenario, because I was thinking, if, had I ever been in one of those, well, this was the closest one. But I've heard people that, you know, somebody came up in a rolled vehicle, and there's injured people. In this case, there's injured. And, and the person shows up and, you know, begins to pray for people, and people are starting to get healed. And then there's, you know, now they have to like move the car supernaturally. You've seen this, you know, a mom, baby gets trapped under the car. And the mom throws, a, you know, moves the vehicle and she weighs about 100 pounds soaking wet, but she still moved the whole vehicle. Now you got the gift of healing, you got the gift of faith, and you got the gift of miracles all working at the same time. You needed a miracle, you needed a supernatural healing, and you needed supernatural faith. So this is a, th- th- these power miracles are there. And that's why I tell people, you know, I have no problem praying for sick people ever for any reason i don't care if it's a if it's a cold or it's a cancer to me it's the same god and i have the you know and and the gift of healing you know yes you know god could use you heavily in the area of healing and there's ministries like that don't misunderstand me there are ministries that really have a strong focus into the area of healing and it is a gift they've developed and god has used them heavily in that area but the person that has the gift of healing has to have the other gifts kind of working with them at the same time. Because you're going to still need supernatural faith. So, you know, you get up in a situation where somebody has cancer, or, you know, you guys heard the story. I hate, you know, re-saying the story, but it's a good application about my granddaughter and the diagnostic. And, and the, the first thing we took was the authority over the spirit of fear. So, that's faith. We prayed for her. The doctor said she doesn't look good. She's probably not going to make it. I said, thank you, sir. You do your job. I'll do mine. We got the gift of healing. We prayed over that. And of course, none of those work unless there's a major miracle. And you begin to see all these things. And, you know, that's one scenario of many. But these gifts of power are there for you. Now, this is really kind of, you know, the summary of the nine gifts. I know I'm, I'm going super fast. Trust me, every one of them could be a session to teach on. But I'm thinking if you just take the time and take this a little more serious. And again, like I said, I think Wednesdays I'm going to talk a little more about this. But um, all these gifts are available to you. So, so Pastor Box, you know, how do I get these gifts? How, well, you just ask. You know, Jesus said, if people ask for the Holy Spirit, I will give it to them. And I know I 
you know, early in my life in ministry, coming from a Baptist background and so forth, I struggled sometimes. I mean, I really struggled for the, with, the, with the speaking of tongues. But, you know, if you say, I want, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to have a prayer language, the moment you ask for it, you get it. Now, what happens is you've got to bypass your brain. And then some people think they're going to go to trance and the Holy Ghost is going to wag their tongue and sound's going to come out. That doesn't happen either. Because, you know, because it's weird. It's like, tongues, you know, how, am I, how am I supposed to... No, you receive a language and then it's up to you and it's just like talking. It's just like a baby, you know, you know my, my granddaughter starting to say words. She says every word except my name and I'm kind of upset about it. She, 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 even, she even calls a dog, but she doesn't say nothing to me. But we'll figure all that out later. Um... You know, and, and speaking in tongues is kind of the same way. You know, you, you might have one sound, and you're like, oh, that's weird. Is that the Holy Ghost or not? Here goes your brain into it. But as you believe for it, one word will add to another word and add to another word and add to another word, and pretty soon you've got a fluent language in the Holy Ghost. And, there's, and, and I know this, this is that area where people kind of get weirded out. There's nothing weird about this. There's nothing strange. And so people say, well, those are just noises you guys convince yourselves to make. Well, you call it what you may... But I know it's not just noise that I want to make. Because I'm probably one of the most common sense people you're ever going to meet. I mean, I got a lot of common sense for other people. Not a lot for myself, but I'm working on it. Um, you just go to a place where you say this. And that's kind of what happened to me. You know, for a while, I wanted it so bad. And it wasn't working. And I was trying, and it was trying to bypass your brain. That's really what it is. You've got to bypass your brain. Because speaking in tongues comes from here. It's, I, you know, how, how else can you explain? I don't know. It just does. And you have complete control over it. And you can, you, know, you can pray in the Holy Ghost. You can be going to Walmart praying in tongues. People think you're a foreigner or something, right? You know, you, it doesn't matter. You all see me here during praise and worship. I'm praying in, in, in the Spirit. I'll be singing, and then I'll pray in the Spirit, sing and pray in the Spirit. Oh, yeah, why? Because that's the Bible, right? So we pray in the Spirit, we sing in the Spirit. We pray with our understanding, we sing with our understanding. That's all in the Bible. The, 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 the speaking in tongues, the being filled with the Holy Spirit, is something that God expects every believer to have and to use, but it's available. And you say, well, you know, that's a little too far out there for me. I don't know about that. You don't have to have it. You still have the Holy Spirit. But He will not bother you with things you don't want. And I've seen people that could be operating in, in you know, working of miracles and never speak in tongues. Because God is not like that. You know, some people get, so I heard people say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not born again. That's a lie. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, to be born again, you've got to speak in tongues. It doesn't say that. And I know a lot of wonderful people that gave their life to God and served in the ministry for their whole life, a lot of them in my own family. And they never experienced that. But they were as Christian as you're going to get. So don't be judging people. And if you don't understand it, don't, don't throw it away into, well, that's just mysticism. No, it's not. You know, don't judge what you don't understand. Because what I'm doing this morning and trying very hard to do is, this is in the Bible. I just read it. This is the word. This, you, know, you choose not to believe it. That's between you and God. But don't make the choice. You're better off saying, I, I believe it even though I don't understand it. That should be your position this morning. You know, I'm going to go ahead and believe it. Why? Not because Pastor Box is preaching it, but because I saw it in the Word. And this, the, 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 the Pentecostal experience or the Holy Spirit experience is all through the Bible. It's not just in the New Testament. You find references of it in the Old Testament. You find prophecies about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament referring to the New Testament. Even your kids, because your kids, especially little kids, because they have such purity of heart and they don't have all that weirdness that we most of us have, God will use your kids to prophesy to you. Amen. Has that ever happened to you? You're going through something and your little kid, you know, two or three years old, four or three years old, she'll say something and you're like, what? And that's God talking to you. 
And if you're Nessio, he'll use a donkey. <laughs> God used a donkey in the Bible, as weird as that sounds. I don't want to be that Nessio. Okay, for all our English-speaking people, stubborn. That's our Spanish word for stubborn, which doesn't mean stubborn, it just means hard-headed, which is the same thing. So don't be necios. <laughs> it is so difficult to try to pack this into 30, 40 minutes. So that's not, that's not the, the, the purpose of this meeting. My purpose of this whole series has been for you to realize that you don't have to navigate that word alone. I want to give you a quote by A.W. Tozer just to close the service. I know I went through these quick. I think it's at the end. It should be there. Or I might have missed it because I modified. Oh, there it is. Back up to that other one, RJ. I forgot about that one. The gifts of the spirits are therefore a very vital part of the healthy function of the church as long as the gifts are operated by the spirit that impart them and under the lordship and the authority of God. As long as your heart is right, God can use you. This is not about being holy, holy. Actually, I think being filled with the Holy Spirit helps you navigate through the challenges of temptation. I just believe so. You know, there's a lot of temptation. There's a temptation of, you know, we're not going to go through a list of temptations, but there's a lot of temptations on all of us to, to be, you know, to, to make bad decisions. And I think when you have the Holy Spirit and the presence, he's your comforter, he's your helper, he's your teacher, he, and he, and he should, takes you to all truth. So wherever the Holy Spirit takes you, it's truth. And he knows you're imperfect. Imagine that. But when you have the Holy Spirit, you have that extra fire. I, I honestly, I still believe one of the reasons we're still doing this almost 30 years later, I believe it's because of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you could even do ministry without having that impartation of the Holy Spirit. I just don't know, man. It, it would, that's why pastors quit seven years in, you know, three years in. It's because you can, there's no way you could manage this without the Holy Spirit. You know? That's what I'm saying. When you want to Judge the preacher, get in my shoes for a bit. Think about what my week is like. I, I have to talk to so many people all over the place and have answers for all, most of them. But you know, without the Holy Spirit, how, you, that would run you crazy. You wouldn't sleep at night. You'd be so obsessed with trying to make things work. No, you just begin to rely on Him. You begin to depend on Him. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with making outlines. I make an outline every week, even if I've preached this 20 times. It'll get a brand new outline with new insights. But you know what? At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. It's like well, what I started with this morning. That was the Holy Ghost. He told me right there. He said, I want you to start. It wasn't on the notes. It was people don't know why they're in church. That's how the conversation started. And I'm thinking, yep. What are we here for? We're here to learn some supernatural stuff. Give me that last quote and we'll close with this this morning. I'll, let you, I'll get you out of here. So A.W. Tozer, he's just an amazing writer. Passed away a few years ago. But he says, the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, and this is really interesting, he said 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Why? Because we're program-driven, right? The church and the programs, and we do VBS, and we do all these things, which is, you know, all, all that is great. But then he goes on to say, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. And what A.W. Tozer was saying, if it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost, there'd be no church. Yeah, this is great. We've got air conditioning. We've got fans. We've got great music. The environment is awesome. I wouldn't change it. But this is not what it was about. This was about a presence of God on people's life. And you think about the New Testament church. If it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost, there would be no church. If the, Holy Ghost, if the New Testament church had been program-driven, like most of the American churches, there would be no church today. 
Because you know what their church was based on? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Crazy stuff that people would just be amazed. Amazing things. Where the church became the hub of everybody's life. Where the, where the welfare state wasn't by the government, it was run by the church. Where people didn't have something to eat, they came to the church. Are you listening to me? Where 3,000 people got born again. Where Peter walking by a guy, you know, he said, get up and rise and walk. And the guy had been crippled his whole life. He just stands up and starts walking. Where a kid fell off a window because the sermon had been too long and died. And he was raised from the dead. I mean, you read the book of Acts. I mean, if you guys are interested, pick any new version you like and read it like you would read any other book. It is an amazing, amazing history of what the Holy Spirit did to the church. And I think one of the greatest mistakes that the body of Christ has done, especially in the last 20, 25 years, is to put the Holy Spirit, lock him up, duct tape and put him in the closet so nobody gets offended. Let me help you. Church is not supposed to be woke. I think that'd be my new hashtag. No woke church. No. We're not here to be, you know, I'm here to help you. I'm here to bless you. I'm here to edify your work. But I'm telling you, the one that's going to do it is the Holy Spirit. I'm just a UPS guy. I'm going to wear brown shorts next week. That's it, man. Because, you know, it's just pastor. No, I'm just the guy with the package. You don't have to sign with it if you don't want it. You know? And this is kind of how it is with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I need him every day of my life. I wake up in the morning, I talk to him. I go to bed at night, I talk to him. And during the day, I talk to him a bunch of times. When I'm mad, I talk to him. When I'm happy, I talk to him. And then when I don't want to talk, he talks. You just have to have this kind of relationship. But he did give you these gifts. Amen? Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I want to pray for you. And I want you to open your heart just to receive. It is nothing I can do because a gift, unless you want it, won't. Very first thing off the bat. And you watching me online, I know you're there. We haven't forgot about you guys. But the very first thing starts with giving your life to Jesus. And I always say this because, you know, so we say, Pastor, you know, most people in church are born again. Yeah, but did you just repeat a prayer or did you really give him your life? Because that's the danger of the church, you know. We, we train people say, oh, just pray the prayer. Just pray the prayer. You'll be fine. No, did you really? Is it real? This is not about being perfect. You know, the, the famous joke that people wear out says, well, if I go to church, the building will burn down. Ha, ha, ha. Well, you know, that's, you know, obviously that's not who you are because you're already in church. But my question is, have you actually given him your life? Is it more than just a little prayer? Is it more like Jesus coming to my heart? Because I think there's a lot of Christians today that have done the mechanics of saying Jesus come into my life, but they haven't really done anything else to, to grow that relationship. You know, that's like asking somebody, will you marry me and never talk to her again? <laughs> it doesn't work. Even if she says yes, and even if you get married, that relationship is going to have to grow with, with conversation. That relationship's going to grow because it's gone through some good times and it's gone through some bad times. And that's the same thing with God. Same thing. I mean, he does call him, calls us the bride, right? Talking about the whole body. He expects that kind of intimacy. And the one that gives you that intimacy is the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that was left here. So I encourage you this morning, if you've given your life to God but you feel like your commitment wasn't there, why don't you just pray it again? 
If you've never given your life to God, why don't you do it this morning? Because he will come with his Holy Spirit. And then the next thing you have to do is say, now, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And according to the Bible, is it that simple, Pastor Box? I believe it is. Navigating through the things that you will learn, that might take some time, but, but to be filled, you walk out of this building, he's already given you the, the, the access. I'm not going to say he's given you the nine gifts. He's given you access to all the gifts. And if you're open to it and you believe it, you'll be walking this week in discernment that you've never had. You're like, wow, now I see what Pastor Fox is talking about. Or, you know, somebody gets sick in your family. And this is, this is so liberating that you can just lay hands on somebody and pray for them. And you're not the healer. You're not the healer. So get over yourself, all right? Because that was my big problem. I wouldn't pray for people because I, I knew I, if I prayed for them, they'd probably die. You know, that's how I felt. No, you're not the healer. But you got the healer in you. And now you can experience some miracles in your house with your babies and your family and different situations. Are you still here this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, say this with me. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus. And I thank you for the cross. And I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. And Holy Spirit, I know you're there with him. So I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And by faith, Lord, I believe with all my heart two things. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. And I have the nine gifts available to me right now in the name of Jesus. Now just close your eyes and just just hang on there for a moment. This is my prayer for all of us. Holy Spirit, wonderful Holy Spirit. For those that are hungry, for those that desire it, really become the breath of God. Father, everyone in this room, everyone that's watching us online, everyone that will watch us in an archived message at some point, we all need you. We all all need information. We don't have it. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, if you're in a, in a place in your life, and I'm just going to ask by show of hands, I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here, I'm not even, I, I got my eyes closed just out of respect to you, respect to the Holy Spirit, but if you're in a point in your life where you need to make some serious decisions, just raise one hand to heaven, just a point of contact, just to show that that's you. Father, for every hand that's up, where decisions matter, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you give them peace over whatever decision they make and that they know this week that that was a Holy Ghost decision. You grant them peace if that's the way they need to decide. Okay, you can put your hands down. You need a miracle of healing this morning or somebody in your family that might not even be in the building. Come on, if we've seen something this year, it's been healing miracles. My God, we've seen healing miracles. Come on, one hand to heaven. Pray over healing right now. See, I, I got my expectation of church. That you're going to come back before the end of the week and say, Pastor Box, let me tell you what the Lord did. I really do. Father, for everyone right now that needs a healing miracle, you said you would give us gifts of healings. 
gifts of miracles, gifts of faith. So, Father, we release the word that says that by the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. And for every illness, every sickness, every cancer, every tumor, every headache, every, Father, people that already had COVID that had problems afterwards, people that are dealing with COVID. Father, for those of us that haven't gotten, we're not getting it because we took that holy flu shot last year. We're good. But, Father, we thank you that we are healed in the name of Jesus. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, healing virtue goes through this building right now. No weapon formed against any of them will prosper in the name of Jesus. You can put your hand down. If you know somebody that's sick and, and you have contact with them, you pray for them today. You go to their house or call them on the phone. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Here comes a big one. Lord, we ask for the spirit of discernment to be very clear. In these time of ages, we need to know where danger lurks, where darkness goes, where what are we supposed to be involved in, what are we not supposed to be involved in. Lord, we need discernment. We need to, to navigate with good decisions. And Father, you know I've made my share of bad decisions, but Lord, I just trust you more and more every day now that we make the right decisions, that you, you show us people, that you show us where their heart is, that you give us a discernment into situations from jobs to businesses to personal life, that everything we walk, not with a spirit of suspicion, not with some negative thing. No, Father, just the knowing by the Lord. We speak covenant protection over all the families in this building. Lord, that we, again, what I started with, we live a supernatural lifestyle. And we depend heavily on that this morning. When we leave this building, many of us will drive hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles this week in all different directions. Well, that covenant is on us. And Holy Spirit, you tell us where to go. You tell us everything, Father. And, and last but not least, Lord, give us even discernment of people that are ready to hear your word. Who do we share Jesus with? How do we approach that person? You give us the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom regarding circumstances that we don't understand. Help us understand other people, Lord, with the love of Jesus. Help us up operate the gifts according to 1 Corinthians 13, Lord. And this morning, I bless you. I bless you. You know, this just came up in my spirit. Part of these things include forgiveness. And I, 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 I said this last Sunday in Laredo. I said, you know, we cannot forgive if it's not for the Holy Ghost. Because people hurt us. Man, we've, we've probably hurt people too. And if you're dealing, I mean, I was about to say amen, and the Lord said, bring that one up. If you're dealing with unforgiveness, I'm going to set you free this morning. You don't have to do anything. You have to forgive. But if you feel something or don't feel anything, it doesn't, it doesn't make a bit of difference. The Holy Spirit will grant you a supernatural sense that you know that, yes, you can't erase the thought of what that person did to you. And I'm not even saying go and have lunch with them anymore. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit will take away the pain that's associated with the thought. So yeah, you remember what they did to you. You remember how they hurt you. But the Holy Spirit will remove the sting and you'll be able to understand what supernatural forgiveness is. Because we cannot forgive without the Holy Spirit. You know, we have a tendency for vengeance. We have a tendency, if you hurt me, i got to hurt you back. That's human nature. But the Holy Spirit will grant you and say, no, you can let it go. So if that's you this morning, just raise one hand to heaven. I'm going to pray for you now. If you've been controlled by this unforgiveness, somebody did you wrong, and it just eats you up, 
by the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, a miracle right now, that you heal every heart that is broken, every unforgiving heart, Father, that, that in the natural we can release people. People, they did what they did. But by the Holy Spirit, we can release them off of our lives. We will not carry this anymore. We give it over to you, Lord. That doesn't mean we got to hang out with them or anything like that. It just means we will no longer be controlled by unforgiveness. And I believe right now there's people watching me online. There's people in this building right now. You're experiencing this. You'll get to your car and you'll think about that. And you're like, wow, you know, I, I still remember what happened, but it doesn't bother me anymore. And now you're going to understand it. You're going to understand exactly what we've been talking about. So, Father, once again, I thank you for this great church. And I call them blessed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. We're, not, um, we're almost done. I appreciate you guys not being all obsessed with <laughs> the clock today. We're only a couple minutes past it. So the last thing I want to do, we're going to pick up um, this morning's sites and offerings, and you guys know what to do. There'll be information on the screen. But I do want to talk briefly. I know it's already mentioned, but I want to bring the, the pastoral endorsement or the pastoral hammer on it. We need to really not lose this opportunity from the fireworks stand. It's a blessing. If we don't take it, we're going to lose it. That means the people, the owners, yes, they're making money, but, you know, you can ask Betty, what, what total Betty from both outreaches, how much y'all make? Like 10000 Yeah. So think about it. In, in both of the times that they ran the, the fireworks and the youth ministry raised $10,000. You think about what $10,000 could do in Cuba? I mean, you know, it won't come from one, but if we do this and then we do it in December, but even if we raise four or $5,000, you know, this is serious money. You know, the, the situation in Cuba has not gotten any better. What's gotten better is that we have an ability to send the money. And Pastor Yoda is finding the food and he's finding all these things. But, um, you know, really, this is one of those places where you need to pray. But I don't live in Heavenville, you know, and, and I, I can't do it. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, my life is already, I would do it. I mean, I would take a few hours. But I think if we have enough people, I don't think it would be heavy on everybody. You know, if you had, I don't know, 10 people. Run, and yes, it, it's, it's tedious. you got to be there all day. But if you have enough people doing it, you know, you might be doing four-hour shifts. But, but, but you have to have a sense of purpose. You don't, you're not raising money for us. You know, the, the youth group, and you ask Betty, she's back there. You know, they tie to the church, which is a proper thing. But we didn't take any of their money. We're like, okay, you know. I wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> I'm thinking, boy, we need some of this money right now, you know. No, they raised all that money. So I encourage, you know, you live in, you live in town. Talk to Betty about it, you know, talk to them, see, you know, I know Yanis and other people, there were a lot of people involved, of course the kids were running it, but there were a lot of adults, but I think if we had enough people that are interested, you know, there, there's there's an honorable purpose behind it, that's what I'm saying, don't, uh, who wants to sit there, nobody wants to sit there, that's the fact, but the fact is, if we can continue to feed people in Cuba the way we've been doing it, and God has given us an opportunity to make $4,000 how many days is that? Like a week or is it two weeks? Two weeks. You know, it's a two-week period. But I said, if we have enough people involved, it won't be tedious, right? And Betty, that's kind of, I mean, if you have enough, you know, one team works, I don't know, six hours, and then another team comes in and takes over and so forth and so on. So, again, I would just ask you, you know, pray about it in, in a context. That, don't say, well, I'm going to pray that God tells me not to do it. Don't pray that, you know, because I know, I know how you guys do stuff around here. Say, Lord, is that something I'm supposed to do? He might tell you, no, you're not supposed to do that. Because maybe you don't have the temperament to do it. Amen? Or maybe you're the one person that will light a match in there. That would definitely not be good. 
that the Lord might say you need to do that. And guess, here's the other thing. It also becomes your seed.